Hey there, I'm Emlyn Miles Mattingly, your host for the Minority Money Podcast. I'm glad you're here. You know why? Because this is the place you can come to get your weekly finance, family, and fitness motivation, not only to experience success in those areas for yourself, but also to help others in our community achieve greatness too. Super happy that you're on the show with me. So let's jump right in. Welcome back to the Minority Money Podcast. I am your host, Emlyn Miles Mattingly, where we are changing the complexion of wealth. And today we're going to continue in that vein with the financial education. Like I said, it is Financial Literacy Month, but we want to use financial education largely in part because I think when you say education, I think literacy implies something different than education. And this is what I think by that. I just want to explain this real quick before we get into the show. But financial education or rather financial literacy, I feel like after you become literate, you just stop. <laughs> right? You don't. I'm financially literate now. Now what happens when you put it in terms of education, at least in my opinion, when you put it in terms of financial education, it implies that it should always be going on, right? You don't ever stop learning. You continually educate yourself. So, you know, whether you're in first grade in financial education or second grade financial education or 12th grade financial education, or some people may have their master's degree in financial education. So I would just say, continue to learn. And today we are joined by my good friend, my sister, She's my sister in arms. We're out here fighting the good fight. And I appreciate her more than she knows. She's someone I look up to, someone I admire. And without further ado, we are welcoming Lizetta Rainey Braxton back to the show. And Lynn, I'm so happy that you want me back. So I appreciate you. My oh, yeah, absolutely. We got to have you back. I told you, we was, I think we might have been in the episode. So you coming back. We're going to have you back. So I was excited, couldn't wait to get you back. And I just wanted to have you on and kind of chop it up with you a little bit. And for the people that may not have heard that first episode, you know, if you, if you wouldn't mind introducing yourself and telling them how much of a rock star you are. Oh, this is Lizetta Rainey Braxton from the metropolis <laughs> of South Hill, Virginia. <laughs> I'm a rock star. <laughs> I am. But, you know, to share with you, I am co-CEO of 2050. Wealth Partners, my business partner, Bianca Dorsonville. We merged our firm back in 2020, and it's been a great ride for us and excited about what the future will hold for our virtual fee-only wealth management firm, and it's been a great partnership. The other hat that I am wearing is Lizetta and Associates, and that is my DEIB, that's Diversity, Equity, Inclusion, Belonging strategy firm and the two work very closely together. I really believe that we are our biggest asset. So on the financial planning side, we want to make sure that people feel very empowered and educated about their finances, making sure that they're earning what they deserve and put it to work, turn that income into wealth. And then on the Lizette and Associates side, I'm really pushing firm to take care of their biggest asset, which is their people and making sure that they're getting paid equitable and have the opportunities to expand their social and financial capital as well. So that's a little background. Oh. Awesome. You know what? I love that. And we didn't talk too much about it. Was that an associate's last time? I don't think we did. I don't think we talked too much about that. So, I mean, I would love to have you expound on that a little bit about the work that you're doing and tell, you know, let the listeners know what's going on. Cause I think that's super important and it's awesome to see. Talk to us about it. Tell us a little bit more about that. Absolutely. So Lizette and Associates really spun out of my work in the industry in FinServe with this tagline, I'm using transforming human capital into equitable social and financial capital. 
And I know that's a mouthful, but it's understood. Capital mm-hmm. <laughs> and those different levels are very much understood and FinServe, and we want access to all of it. What I've found is that a lot of firms talk the talk, don't walk the walk. Some of them really want to know what to do and really don't know where to start. And there's some who have started and really need assessment about how, where they're doing. And then there's some who are not interested. And I don't really engage those who are not authentic mm-hmm. in their efforts of diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. What does that really mean to me is really a human-centered approach mm-hmm. to running your business. So what's your mission? What's your vision? What's your guiding principles? Are you applying that with authenticity, with accountability, with transparency? Oftentimes, we are putting into this conversation issues of race and gender and ethnicity and some of the sexual orientation conversations, because these are populations that have been excluded. And if we have to package it in a way of BIB mm-hmm. <laughs> in terms of access and honoring people capital, that's what we do. But core is really saying, who are you as a firm, as a financial services firm? What are you all about? And does it align with your culture and the people that you serve? So having these conversations as a volunteer leader has been helpful as a broad awareness, but not enough action. Mm-hmm. And so the consulting arm allows me to put into play some of these practices with the firm and help them move along mm-hmm. the journey of becoming relevant on an increasing diverse environment. So what would you say, you know, I'm thinking about this, two examples I would ask, you know, obviously not going to say that the company's names or whatnot. When someone's trying, like when a company's really trying, can you give me an example of that? Like mm-hmm. when a company's really trying and then one that just, they just ain't getting it. And you've talked to them and they just ain't getting it. But I kind of want to hear, like, let people hear that from the backside of it, like what the company was like before you talked to them. Well, first of all, a lot of people follow my work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. they know I'm about doing the work. So that should be for them a good idea about how I approach engagements of any magnitude. Mm-hmm. So I do have a survey, a questionnaire that I use that says, what have you done to date? Why are you interested in partnering now? Do you already have a council, BIB council in place? Just to get an initial feel of where they are and where they want to be. From that questionnaire, we have a conversation. So it's mirrored just like the financial planning process. What are your goals? <laughs> what do you want to get out of this engagement? And why are you interested in partnering with Lizette and Associates? And then from there, we have the what I call a DIB vision call to tease out the responses mm-hmm. and really interview to get to the, hopefully the crux of the matter, right? Because oftentimes people are not proactive mm-hmm. about these things, even with finances, it's usually reactive. So that gives me a gauge of what is really going on culture-wise and how talent is responding, culture and talent. Mm-hmm. And from there, we decide what the scope is going to be. So one of the firms wanted a full scope, which that means that they wanted a full cultural or climate assessment. So that means we go in, we do informational interviews of all the C-suite leaders, and then we take a selection of the employees to kind of get a diverse perspective on some of the questions that we designed based on their vision questionnaire, based on what they think 
it's are some of the challenges and also kind of where they want to move their culture. Mm-hmm. We also from there, from the informational interviews, move to surveys. So we're doing a broad survey of the whole company. We're also looking at all their policy documents, policy and procedures, their hiring practices, employee pay bans, you name it, performance tools that they're using as well. And so we're pretty much doing just that, an audit about the culture mm-hmm. and how it shows up in their documents, the mission and vision statement that they have at some firms, large things that have it. I'm like, mm-hmm. what is your guiding light here? Yeah, right. <laughs> what are you all about? Right. Mm-hmm. And then we come back with an assessment to say, we recommend maybe starting the council or refining your vision for the council, have your one or two things you want to accomplish this year, what trainings make sense, what coaching makes sense for the, you know, C-suite and other levels and the like. So there's a whole complement of deliverables that we can implement, just like a financial plan, BEIB plan for them to move forward. So that is the fullness. And there's some that may say, we've already gotten started. We want you just to speak on this particular topic or topics, but I I make sure that it's integrated because I believe in holistic approach. And then I had, you know, a smaller firm that says, I just want help with a job description. And even with a job description, you're selling yourself. So it teased out some other things to work on. But at that size, it was like, that was a good start as well, too. So from a job description, all the way to the full complement of assessing a firm and moving it forward with practical deliverables, training, coaching, and the like, is something that I do with a very select <laughs> group of people. Now, your question was, I give as an example of even those who wanted to work with you, all of them hadn't gone forward. We had one firm that knew they had a challenge with women. It had number representation, but no voice. And it came up so clearly in the data. So in the interviews, in the charts, in the performance, and it actually created a lot of tension among the partners. So much so that we took the fall, meaning my firm took the fall for an area they were not ready to move forward with, even though they said that they were. Mm-hmm. And the women got empowered. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they started speaking after I gave it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, because the data was there. I'm like, we did our job. We got mm-hmm. to play it. We did our job. And you got some more work to do. So mm-hmm. it's not for the faint of heart because it's introspective. Mm-hmm. It is asking for feedback and wanting it and doing something about it. That's hard individually, and it's definitely hard for a lot of firms. Yeah, and I'm just sitting here thinking, like, because you're in the firm, like, you're seeing everything. Everything. And it's so fascinating. I got to add this point about that particular client is that when it all came down to it, one of the leaders had a very negative situation with a female boss decades ago that never got resolved that has shown up in the maturation of his firm Mm -hmm. multi-billion dollar firm and that's why people cannot ignore human tackle because it's it's humans that are making decisions good or bad and if you don't address the undercurrents it will show up it will show up in the firm that you're building you are your your firm absolutely absolutely you would think that people will just do what they say. If they say they're going to do this, then they should just be trying to work on that. What's one of the things that you would say that you found in this, like, what's one of the most surprising things that you found to you? 
So what's really surprised you in your finding? That many of the firms that are multi-billion dollar firms have been around between 20 to 30 years and they have still operated like a mom pop. Hmm. Really? Mm-hmm. Interesting. And you would think that there would be a little more sophistication to it, right? Just because of how long they've been in business? Yes. You would make that assumption and also realizing that a lot of the human capital aspect of it is soft skills that for some reason businesses still struggle with. So at the core, they don't have HR functions or they don't believe in HR functions and HR has gotten a bad rap, right? Nobody wants all the compliance mm-hmm. issues. So it's easy for this EQ, IQ, right? On the IQ side, you just think about the technical aspect of running the numbers. Mm-hmm. What do the numbers look like? What do people look like? But what about the intangibles that really drive the numbers of the people? Mm-hmm. And a lot of, particularly in this industry, is run by men. Men don't want to feel. <laughs> they want to have tangible success. And that's what's happening. These billion-dollar firms, particularly with this last bull market or this current bull market, mm-hmm. right, for the last decade, over a decade, have had the benefit of just being sloppy mm-hmm. with their culture, really sloppy. And it only picked up because of the George Floyd situation, which that is kind of subsiding itself as well, too, because, mm-hmm. you know, the women who typically lead movements are saying, you paying all attention to people of color, man, because of the George Floyd, what about me? So it's like, it's this ripple effect mm-hmm. of the firm that have not taken care of their larger minority populations <laughs> yep. that have just now all unsurfaced. And because they haven't paid attention to it, they don't want to now because it's a sense of failure. Mm-hmm. And it's like, how am I a failure when I got a multi-billion dollar firm? Yeah. But then I said, okay, don't forget about Ken Fisher, who people swept things yeah. under the rug until yeah. it wasn't swept under the rug anymore. He lost, what, billions in like three days. Mm-hmm. And so this Russian roulette is still happening with these billion dollar RAs. Mm. That's crazy. That's insane to me. You know, crazy thought. I have had this thought and I don't know if I'd ever did something. I'm going to quit saying it because eventually if I keep saying it, I'm going to have to try to go do it. But I was like, I want to build, if it doesn't already exist, I haven't seen one, if it does exist. But the first, one of the first minority black owned billion dollar RAs. I got to quit saying it because I just said people need to do what they say. <laughs> now I'm going to say that. But I, it's something that we've been thinking about. You know, I think there'll become a time when instead of looking to these big firms, we'll, we'll have to create one, right? And I think we have to create that. And it's, it's a huge task, but I think that the right group of people can do that. And I think it's going to be through, you know, mergers of firms and just like you and Rianca merged. I think there, you know, there's enough people that eventually will get their place to where they want to merge. And then we have, imagine having something like Gabacus with something big like that, something big like the Ritholtz group, something big like Carson, something big like, you know, big, big, big. Why not? <laughs> big. Why not? And yeah. Yes. And I don't think it's so out of reach. And it's something that's been on my mind as well, too. And I'm now moving into the auntie status. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm innocent. Still got some, some steam in me, but I'm, I'm glad to see, yeah, others <laughs> kind of puzzles out like you <laughs> and Desante as well, too. And even with, you know, Bianca, who is a millennial and mm-hmm. we've hired on two millennials who are on the cusp of Gen Z. What I encourage for our community, specifically the Black community, is what you just said in terms of partnership. So as I look at and have been very involved with 
many of the names that you've mentioned mm -hmm. is this whole idea of being better together, stronger together, mm -hmm. right? Is culturally, it's just part of the culture that we have adapted enough. And I confess, Rianca had the vision of us partnering way before we did. I'm like, oh no, I got my own baggage. No, 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 no. Right? And she just stayed with it. Stay with it. And as soon as we merged, it was just like, when you talk about synergies, this is like, yeah. right? We share duties with she's CFO, I'm CCO, right? She's CMO. You know, I deal a lot with operations and, you know, together we do finances. It's just great. And we're also thinking about how to expand that, right? Mm -hmm. And so going back to the conversation about Lizette and Associates looking at our other RIA firms, I am. I get to study what they've done well and not so well. Yeah. Right. And foundationally having 2050 Wealth Partners as the prototype. Mm -hmm. Right. And I'm just saying that we will be that billion dollar firm, but I'm just saying together we need mm -hmm. to, to go <laughs> in that direction. And that's what the dream is, whatever name it is, or yeah. whatever the case may be, to move in that direction. And the the benefit now is putting infrastructure in mm -hmm. at the beginning. And that's what a lot of these firms they kind of happenstance, right? Technology wasn't where it was. That mm -hmm. was a huge shift for that. Access to capital still a struggle, but you still now have more populations that have more funds. Mm -hmm. And like, and they just didn't keep up with the trends. Mm -hmm. They were able to ride out the growth of the market and be fine. But that's why we're calling ourselves 2050 Wealth Partners because mm -hmm. by 2050, I'll be retired. But <laughs> Wealth is going to change hands. I mean, you know, hey, what's your, what's your tagline? Absolutely. Changing the complexion of wealth. Absolutely. And the interesting piece of this, too, is that there are more people who are buying into that mm -hmm. who are not people of color. Mm -hmm. The younger generation is demanding something different. And older firms are still ignoring the younger generation. Yeah. And eventually those older firms will be gone. I think about this, like when I'm thinking about education and for finance and stuff like that. I think about, you know, as we're sitting here talking about putting together a big firm or, you know, I mean, having a whole bunch of hundred million dollar firms wouldn't be a problem either. <laughs> so that also would be good, you know, to have minorities or underrepresented advisors having, you know, 20 firms that are a hundred million dollar firm. How do you think that will impact the industry and the education of people that we're trying to serve. How do you think that's going to help them by having these larger firms with ran by underrepresented groups of advisors? How do you think that'll help or impact? I truly see within our firm that people are very intentional to work with people who understand them and have openness to cultural nuance. And there's greater demand for that because of the changing complexion, the racial mosaic that's happening in the U.S., the transfer of wealth, as we know, in terms of, you know, gender and just different populations, access to ways of building businesses, making more money is more available at a rapid pace than it has been historically. So by having firms that are garnering and ushering and pooling uh, together, capital, resources, it's hard to shake when there's depth and breadth of organizations, of institutions, of firms that are committed to advancing 
populations that have been underserved, right? There is power in numbers. Yeah. There is power in numbers. Numbers in terms of people and numbers in terms of money mm-hmm. <laughs> and access. Money talks. Yes. yes. It, it flows if it has structure to flow in the right hands for the right people. And oftentimes it's just been closed off. Doors have been shut. Opportunities don't even know about, don't even hear about. It's mm-hmm. time to expand wealth. Period. Absolutely. I think that with you know, when you think about having this group that we're, you know, shout out to the Onyx. Onyx Advisors. Shout out to the Onyx Advisor Network. We'll be that'll be launching this month. So what I wanted to say is for the first time being able to have a group of fee only <laughs> financial advisors that are all from underrepresented backgrounds is going to be incredible. Like, I can't wait for that because we're talking about these numbers, right? Think about the practice management things that are hidden inside of these gems that are hidden inside of all these advisors because I always go back to this analogy and it was about, it's a story about these two doctors, right? One doctor is a, a good looking doctor. The other doctor is a little overweight, a little bald, not as good looking as the other doctor, right? And so naturally people are drawn to the doctor that's looked better looks better. Mm-hmm. This is the air quotes, looks better. What happens is because this doctor doesn't look as good as the other one, he's had to work as harder than the other one because he had to prove himself. So people that understand that just because I look this way, doesn't mean that I'm not capable because he had to do that. You learn things different and you become a better doctor because of that. And I'm saying this because there's hundreds of advisors out there from underrepresented backgrounds. And when I say underrepresented, let's call it what it is. The largest group of underrepresented advisors is women, mm. period. You know what I mean? So we can't say we're helping underrepresented. So we start with women. Then we get to people of color. Then we get to the other groups that are underrepresented. But there's women are in all of those groups, <laughs> every group that we're trying to help. And so once we have this group and we can have conversations with the people in this group, that have never had a chance to share all the successful things that they've been doing and they can share them with other people. Oh, it's about to go down. I think it's going to be incredible because now we'll have some synergy. Now we have a place where, you know, when I join this, there's going to be 10 other advisors. There's going to be 20 other advisors. Hold on. Let's talk about it. There's going to be hundred other advisors. Let's talk about it. There's going to be 500 advisors in Onyx that are going to be able to have this collective group that you're talking about and the power that comes yeah. from that group, right? The power that comes from that group. Is so exciting for me and everyone that's going to be a part of this. And, and as you know, we know you're going to be a part of it. And I just think about that not existing. No. And it's like, how did that not exist? You know what I mean? It just blows my mind that it didn't exist, but you know, not for long. We're going to change that pretty soon. We're going to change that. One thing that I did want to talk about is, or ask you about, because you brought it up a couple of times, and this is about the merger with you and Rihanna, because there's going to be people that are going to listen to this, right? And there's advisors now that are thinking about doing it and thinking about, trying to do that. So talk to us a little bit about that. You beautifully just explained the separation of duties, right? And I loved it. So talk to us how that process went and like, how did it all go? How'd you guys start that even conversation? What I like to anchor this with is relationship, covenant, marriage, right? A lot of people need not that I'm only, you know, married once. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know if I want to do this again. And that's how serious partnerships are mm-hmm. and you are in one as well too yes. with the start date. What does that mean? You need to court, you old school court dating. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. right? See what, where, what core values align, right? So Rianca and I, I both are very much spiritually aligned. And then that took us to a deeper level of sisterhood, of really appreciating each other in the fullness and also having the capacity to have conversations and step away when things get heated, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. as you think about marriage, the ebbs and flows are going to happen and that you are willing to carry the weight mm-hmm. when you need to, you know, for each other and celebrate all the joys together as well, too. And so the reason why I was a little hesitant because I just wasn't where I wanted to be. Right. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I've learned, particularly for um, black people, and this is a question that we have in our discovery meeting for our clients is what are you most proud about in terms of your finances? And so many of my clients, and I understand this too, I haven't reached that point of being happy or celebrating the work that has been done because of that imposter syndrome, right? The things that have happened to you, you don't believe you deserve them. And then when you come back to it, the oppression, right? That you're not enough. You need to do more. You need to do more becomes the way you look at things. It's not an abundance of scarcity. And so as I was just kind of working through saying, this is crazy, the pressure I'm putting on myself, you know, she could see. And so when we finally got to a point, I was like, okay, I'm ready. We had already been masterminding. So we had, you know, built a core relationship. Then mm-hmm. we started masterminding, looking at each other's practices. We we're like, okay, I like what you do. I like what you do. And it's like, okay, so we're masterminding. We're doing the same thing. Why not go ahead and do this, right? Yep, <laughs> we yep. just start playing right. and already did it. Mm-hmm. So when we decided to do it, we, you know, both A types, but in different ways. Like I said, you know, it's like, you handled this, you handled this. And so we just, you know, had lots of conversations. And the, the nice thing about our alignment was that we can make decisions very quickly, mm-hmm. extremely quickly, because we had done all the hard work and there was enough trust in our relationship and we shared the same vision. So mm-hmm. I was like, okay, what you need to hatch out. And then we came up with this three-day rule. If you're upset, you know, with one another, something that sit right with you, you got three days. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you got to mess up, even if you don't have language for it. Mm-hmm got to get it on the table so that's not a hindrance for us moving forward in our divine assignment together and so as I kind of look even at our clients in terms of this abundant scarcity Mm -hmm. mindset and many of our entrepreneurs as well too even the concept of masterminding and raising your business together right like I've said before it's like a new development Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. this intentionality, which I like about the Onyx Advisors, is just really getting us together, being full self mm-hmm. and like, let's do this mm-hmm. <laughs> and figure out where the chemistry are and facilitating and nurturing that with the goal of saying, if you don't merge and it's just you, is your business going to die with you? Is that what you want? What's your yeah. legacy? Mm-hmm. And how can you best share the wealth? And grow it. I mean, grow it together and share it. I mean, I think it's one of those things. And as you're going through it, it's your baby, right? And you got to get when you're giving up part of your business or or not giving up part of your business, but merging with someone and you're in a bring someone into basically you're in a relationship with them. And I love the three day thing. I absolutely love that. I think that when you're intentional, the way that you are and the way that you and her have been about what you're creating and your values and your goals and everything align then it makes 
you know, in the grand scheme of things, if you have a disagreement, you can always go back to the why we started this and it'll be very, very clear. You know what I mean? Like, this is why we're doing it. We agree on everything. We're trying to do the same thing. We might disagree on how, but we know what we want and why we want it. So, yeah, I love that. I think that that's very good. And the other thing is like, this is the first time I've had a business partner. I've usually done everything for myself. So it is definitely, it was very similar to how you and Rianca got together. So Desarte and I were already doing the accountability stuff, already talking to each other. Me and him talk every day, actually, before we even became business partners, which I didn't realize that though. Like we'd been talking every day, probably months. And then one day I was like, man, we didn't talk. What happened? Where do you, you know what I mean? Did he, whatever. We didn't talk one day. And I was like, man, and it was at that point in time when we were like, man, we, you know, we talk a lot. We're in the same circle. We do a lot of this stuff. I was like, man, you know what? Let me tell you this idea I got. <laughs> this is what, you know what I mean? I've been thinking about this. And um, what do you think about this? He was like, bro, we need to do it. And so I think very, very similar to you, our values align, what we wanted to accomplish aligned, our why and the how definitely aligned. And then we just got to figure out, you know, the other parts. But it was, I think that listening to you talk about your partnership really made me just really shout out to both of our partners, by the way, because they're not, you know, yeah. know. But shout out to both of you, Sarce <laughs> and Rianca, because I think that, you know, when you do that, it actually, by having the partner and having to explain things about your business to them, because I've had to do that with the Sarte, it really helps you understand your business better. It's only made me a better advisor and a better, a better listener as well, and better at explaining things, because I do this a lot. My wife will tell you. <laughs> that I do this a lot. I just say something to her and I'm like, I won't say the beginning of what I was thinking. I'll just start talking like in the middle of where I was at. And then she's yeah. looking at me like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, you don't know? Like you, I didn't, so trying not to do that. But we're going to wrap up here in a sec. And I wanted to just kind of, what do you got on your heart? I just feel impressed to ask you that. What do you have on your heart that you want to share outside of what we've been talking about? It could be a totally different subject, but I just wanted to give you the opportunity to share thoughts anything that was going on that I can't let you go without just asking you <laughs> to share your heart for us today. Cause I know there's something on it. Yeah. I I'm just, I'm excited about what's in store for, for Fencer, the, the new energy, the new blood that I'm seeing in the major firms and the smaller firms and then the startup firms as well too, because you know, what I inherited from advisors before me, they said that to me. And now it's just, it feels great to kind of pass that along. And I just love to see how things are coming together without all the fighting to make space that there is room. And the room that is being created is mainstream, not a second thought. So. You know, kudos to you and Desarte and all the, I see the warriors, <laughs> <laughs> that the work of the ancestors and the work of those who have come before us has not been in vain. And that's something to really celebrate. And so I am really feeling with awe and, and amazement of what will be for us. And when I say for us, I really mean for all of us. And it's anchored in voices that have been muted, but now are at the lead. I love it. 100% agree with that. And I just think we, 
didn't have the platform we needed. And so now there's several organizations trying to build that platform in a good way. I think about what Sonia and Liv are doing over there at Choir. Incredible, right? I'm thinking about what Dana was doing. Dana's doing over with Chip. Incredible, right? And so now we get to get another leg on that stool of what we're building. And I think Onyx is going to fit in nicely with those two. And we all play well together because we got the same mission, right? We all have the same thing that we're trying to accomplish. And that's to make that change in the industry and make that impact. Since it is financial literacy slash education month, because that's what we call it. I just wanted to ask you one last question and ask you if you had a financial tip to give to the listeners. Something that you, you know, some financial tip that you just good piece of advice for them. Whatever you have learned and have adopted, pass it on. My biggest test case for me in terms of my financial education is what I see in my daughter, who's now 16. So don't hold back on knowledge sharing, opportunity, and be creative in ways to introduce even the younger generation to good financial habits and mindsets mm-hmm. as well, too. So pass it on. Absolutely. Love that. Love that. Well, Lizetta, thanks for stopping by. I mean, I'm going to tell you now, we we'll probably have you on again. Just so you know, we will be doing an Onyx Advisor podcast, too, just so you know about that. So you probably you, you come on that. And it'll be uh, the star saying, I'll probably bring you and Rayanka on and just have a, just go ahead and, and do it. You know, just teasing people, <laughs> let them hear the end. It's like, wait, they're all four going to get on the show. I said, we just throw it out there. We might get all four of us on there. Christine, and, and we're ready. Have a um, great time. Yeah, I'm just super have the music ready. Right. Oh, we have something right. for you. A little play. We got a little something okay. for you. We got a little <laughs> something for you. So with that, you know, like I said, I just wanted to thank you again for all the work that you do for being such an inspiration to not only myself, but to a lot of other advisors that are in the industry. And you're just, like I said, you are the rock star. One thing that you said that I always say, and we're both small town people, which is funny because I call Madeira where I'm from the thriving metropolis. So when I heard you say that, I was like, I'm from the thriving metropolis of Madeira, California and all, you know, 60,000 people that live here. It's tiny. But like I said, thank you. Thank you, sis. I can't tell you enough how much all of your hard work and dedication because I can always look up and see I'll periodically if I haven't seen something from you I'll go look for it I said I need to see what she's doing because I know she's doing something great and it's going to give me I need to get this encouragement so you continue to encourage me you continue to put a smile on my face and always 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 enjoy watching you succeed so thank you can't say it enough appreciate you so we'll wrap it up with that as you all know this is the minority money podcast where we are changing the complexion of wealth. I'm your host, Emily Miles Mattingly. Until next time. Another great showdown, but it doesn't have to stop there. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on whatever podcast app you're listening on now and give it a good rating, would you? If you feel really connected to the podcast, which I hope you do, find our Facebook community, Minority Money VIP, to support and be supported by others just like you. And again, we're glad to have you. While this podcast is meant to inspire and motivate you to live your best life, it can't be your complete one-stop shop. I know, I know, that really sucks. But I don't know anything about your specific situation. So please reach out to an attorney or CPA, or you can reach out to me, a financial planner, to help you with your specific situation. To get a hold of us, please reach us at fan at Minority Money Podcast. That's F-A-N at Minority Money Podcast, so we can get to know you there. 
Thanks for being here. And until next time.